Hey everyone, Louis from Kick the Jukebox here. Just wanted to let you know that what you're listening to is the podcast version of Kick the Jukebox with shorter music clips. If you want to listen to the whole shebang, visit our show page at kpiss.fm. That's K-P-I-S-S dot F-M. Okay, thanks for listening, and bombs away! Kick the Jukebox is so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the Jukebox, kicking a rhyme. Talking about music all the time. Oh, yeah! Well, hello, everybody out there in Radio Land. This is another episode of Kick the Jute Box. I'm Kyle Gordon. And I'm Louie Perlman. And we are broadcasting on in beautiful KPISS FM studios here in Brooklyn, New York. Sunny Brooklyn, New York. Sunny. City of dreams. Sunny Brooklyn, New York. The home of sunshine. And the home of piss. <laughs> You're home of a piss. You're, oh, man. That's great. I like hearing piss in that deep voice. You're listening to KPIS FM, the home of piss. And we're here, and we're in an alley, and we're broadcasting some real great freeform radio for y'all right here. We got some great rock and roll at the home of pee-pee and duty. Yeah. <laughs> the home of pee? Bushwick, Brooklyn, New York, sunny Bushwick. Sunny Bono Bushwick. Ha <laughs> So, Kyle, how are you? What's going on? He died skiing, right? Yeah, he did. Poor old Sonny Bono. Poor Sonny. Yeah. He was a congressman, too. He was a congressman. He was a, uh, an actor in, in the film Hairspray. Where he, he had a great he life. He played Debbie Harry's husband. I mean, he, for someone so ugly, he did so, such amazing work. Yeah. No, no, no. Definitely. I'm very, very impressed with that. I'm yeah. proud of him. I'm still proud of him. So, hey, while you tell us how, how, how you're doing, I'm just going to, you know, go on to the stream and make sure that we're broadcasting properly. Sure. Cool. What's going on? Uh, nothing. Um, I've uh, been busy doing shows. Had a blast. Had a late show last night. A uh, comedy show. Oh, excellent. Um, but it was really fun. And um, a comedy show. Oh, oh hearing ourselves back. Yeah. What what show is it? What were you in? Uh, it was a show at UCB East, and it was called Joke Thief. Uh-huh. And uh, the concept of the show was a bit confusing, uh, but I did great because, I mean, you know, you give me a turd, I'll turn it into gold, baby. Uh, you give me some piss, I'll turn it into lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> You're home of piss. You're home of little floaters in the <laughs> toilet bowl. Duty. Oh boy, we're really we're about usually more sophisticated than this. I feel. Yeah, but we're bringing it down to the people. Yeah, we're bringing it down to the people. I've also just had a totally scatological. Oh, you gotta. Weekend. Yeah, you have to tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you gotta tell the people. I feel like this is very on brand. I mean, it's a hundred percent on brand for Louis and uh, yes. very on brand for our show. So. Yeah, although you know, so I, I was at Camp John Waters, which is a summer camp for John Waters fans, where John Waters is there and does his show. And judges contests and stuff, and his actors come and do fun stuff with you. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like Tracy Lords uh, judge a you know Tracy Lords amazing woman, really interesting career. Uh, uh, she judged an ice cream eating contest <laughs> where the people eating ice cream, she was like whipping them with like a retractable like antenna staff, <laughs> which is amazing. It was amazing. And uh, John Waters um, did his one man show. Where he's always evolving it. It's almost more like a stand-up set than anything. That's crazy. And my favorite new detail is he was trying to think of new disparaging things to call gay guys that were still like... That could be said in public without people getting really mad at you. Right, 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 and, right, right. <laughs> and he, he thought of a new term. He's, he wants... For fussy little gay men that he doesn't like, he started calling them ribbon clerks. <laughs> <laughs> Did he explain it or just it speaks for itself? I mean, I think we know what that means. <laughs> it means that they are clerks that work with like printing methods that oh. are like little ribbons, you know? <laughs> That's amazing yeah also just it rolls off the tongue ribbon clerks yeah it seriously does so you, wait he didn't you want fussy little ribbon clerk yeah <laughs> oh i don't want to have brunch with her she's, she's a, a fussy little ribbon clerk <laughs> <laughs> so was it like 
So did he do it on stage? Was it on stage? Yeah, yeah. It was like under a, a tent when we ate dinner, and then there was a stage at the front of the tent, and then he did a show, which That's he incredible. tours with. He tours with his show. Oh, really? Yeah, mainly he ma- he makes most of his living now as an author, and he tours with this show that's his one-man show, but really it's a stand-up set. Huh. That's really what it is, and it's interesting because, and he said, you know, I've always been a writer, and I've always told stories, and this is just sort of, this is the second leg of his career. Interesting. And you know, like, he's not, he doesn't, when was the last, what was the last movie he made? Oh, so yeah, the last film he made was in the early 2000s. Mm. And apparently just the way films are financed now, he's like sort of not interested. Yeah. You know, and he said like, you know, I've made a really, really good living doing this. He's like, I don't want to um, kickstart anything. Because he's right. like, I can't kickstart something when I own three homes. He's like, it's not appropriate. Right. He's yeah. like, I'm not a guerrilla filmmaker anymore. Right. So he's like, I'd rather be an author right now and he's like and if someone were to give me six million dollars to do whatever i want i would certainly make another film well i feel like he could do um what's the what's the studio that did um they did whiplash and then they did um what's the jordan get out oh yeah 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 yeah. You know um, blumhouse, blumhouse. I'm, I'm sure that dude's had meetings with blumhouse right like yeah nothing, that's exactly that that's the whole me. the reason blumhouse exists is to address the exact issue that John Waters is complaining about. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I'm like sure... the modern day Roger Corman, uh, like yeah, but that world it just doesn't exist anymore because even those yeah. movies have a really significant budget. No, the yeah. whole thing about Blumhouse is that they, if it goes, oh, they won't finance any movie that is more than four million dollars. Oh, I didn't know that. That's their yeah, whole see, philosophy. But he wants six million. Oh. He's like, I won't make a movie for four million dollars. Oh, he's really? like because he's like because I'm in a stage of my career where I'm not interested in that anymore. That's interesting. You know, but you have to remember and and like and you have I think it's four million, maybe it might be more, but you haven't seen a lot of these these flicks. I and, haven't. And I, I really have need, a marathon. I know we do. I, I I know I'd love all. I mean, You'd I love, love the them. Roger Corman. I love Rock and Roll High School. It's the it's in the same yeah, except movie. way more outsider yeah, and yeah. like queer and way more rock and roll. Yeah, like John Waters' musical aesthetic. It was so informative for me growing up. Like so much uh-huh. so that one of these episodes I want to cover were like just one of his full soundtracks. Sure. So yeah, we should do it. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, but if you you know need to see a movie where an actor eats dog poop, oh there's yeah, there's only one. I've seen that scene. I've seen. Yeah. Oh, great, great, <laughs> Kyle. So, yo, dude, what's popping? Uh, what are you listening to right now? <laughs> so, um, I've been so for the past few years, I've been sort of interested. I'm not like a huge house music officiate. Like, a, I wouldn't call myself like super, super knowledgeable about house music, but yeah, I've gotten much more into it, and I've like, I'm very interested in the history of house music. Um, and there's this great documentary on. Uh, from the BBC, which you can find on like Vimeo, called "Pump Up the Volume," and it's pretty much like the definitive history of house from like its beginnings till like the late '90s, um, from a British perspective. But they give a lot; they pay a lot of due to Chicago house. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll get into it, but um, the we are talking about a very influential European French house duo today. Um, and they, <laughs> yeah, they're, they very, they're very influential. <laughs> yeah. They're a European house duo. Yeah. Oh, I don't guess, say we, I, I guess we could be talking about justice, yeah, but, justice, we're, right, justice right. Yeah. but we're not, although I, I, I am a fan. No, 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 no. But, uh, but yeah, this is actually going to be an all house music, uh, or all dance, dance music, music for sure. Dance music, kick the jukebox, which is a rarity for us. But yeah. it seems that we just really want to dance right now. Oh yeah, we're 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 pumping it in here. <laughs> um, but uh, no, yeah. So especially their first album, we're, da- we're talking about that punk. Their first album, Homework, was very um, influenced by Chicago House, and they were very influenced by Chicago House. And so I have been listening to. I rewatched that documentary, and uh, I wanted to play a song by. Marshall Jefferson called Move Your Body the House Music Anthem. Cool. Let's let's listen to it a little bit. Set me free. Lost in house music is where I want to be. It's going to set you free. Don't set you free. It's going to set you free. Set you free. Set you free. 
All oh, right, that was yeah. just a little taste of. It's a six and a half minute track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd yeah, be yeah, literally yeah. our entire time <laughs> yeah, we have for yeah. today. Oh, I love this, Kyle. Right. Kyle, why'd you bring this in? Um, well, a lot of reasons. So one, um, so this is like uh, this is like the house music music anthem. It is uh, so Marshall Jefferson, like a Chicago house music legend staple. This song is like a house music like you know, Mount Rushmore of house music, um, this song. And well, it was a few things. One, that sound, this is like in the mid eighties and this sound like that could have been played at a basketball game in like 1998 in 2005. Yeah. It's like a jock jam. It's not, it's not, it's not a jock jam. It's really sophisticated. Yeah. It's really sophisticated. And that sound was co-opted a bit and like toward a sort of jock jam things like tag team and all that stuff well, but well it just shows how influential it was right you exactly know. and uh that that sound is like unmistakable like that was the blueprint for so many other house musicians and so one i've been listening i love this song like I, i've been i've been trying to cut back uh watch my figure i've been going running this is on the playlist. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of sort of Chicago era house, I oh, think, is perfect. really good workout music. Oh, Because it just yeah. wants to keep you moving. For sure. Um, but then also, you know, I was thinking about a little bit about Daft Punk, and this is a perfect example. This was notable as the one of the first, I think it is considered like the first house song to feature live instrumentation yes and and, and also uh i know this i don't mean to interrupt you please, Kyle, please. <laughs> Ooh, the polite house historian djs yeah uh i guess i don't mean to interrupt you kyle but this is also the first house single to feature piano right it. yes yep yep for sure and he got a lot of flack when it first came out and i think he was kind of Marshall Jefferson is a pretty eccentric guy. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to him speak, he like, he, like, he 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 he's kind of like me in that like when he talks, he can't he he's like goes into voices and like he'll talk like this <laughs> and like he's just a weird guy and uh, I think he just kind of like wanted to stick it to a lot of people um, with that like kind of extended piano wiggling at the at the beginning of the song and. Uh, later, he'd, he'd do, like, some full, um, you know, unlike a lot of house musicians, he'd, he'd do, like, live instrumentation, mm -hmm. um, and, like, actually, he wasn't just sampling or just using 808s and 303s. He he did a lot of uh, live, you know, instrumentation. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also, like, I think a sophistication to the be beginning of the song mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah. Where the piano... Uh, almost feels like it's like a jazz improvisation, yeah. And then it kind of snaps into this dance formation, right? And it it almost feels like you can see his thought process mm -hmm. in the song, in that he's taking this element and he's sort of bending it into something very rigid for the sake of making it into dance music. A hundred percent. I think he was trying to stick it to both. I think. At the beginning, with the like kind of jazzy, bluesy improvisation, he's showing like the snobby, rockist, uh, like you know, traditional music uh, industry music watchers. People like no dance music is real music. But yeah. then he was also showing the dance people that like no, this is more sophisticated than what you've heard before. Like we're real musicians. Yeah, you know, we can w like s saying to the people in the club like we're a step above you. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and, it, and it kind of changed the entire world of dance music. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it's funny, and it, and we shouldn't say that the only legacy of this is jock jams. No, my no. Yeah. And and only only in so far as like that, as I said, like that sound was maybe co-opted a bit. Um, yeah, very much so because but, it's so good and yeah, it's so catchy. accessible. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for but bringing that in, Kyle. Louis. Yes. Did you pick a song or did you, or did you change your mind and you just want to leave now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm just going to go and yeah. Kyle's just going to sit here. All right, yeah. I'm not uh, <laughs> if Louie leaves, I'm just I'm going to Yeah, we were saying before I'm just going to do the Garfield without Garfield. I'm yeah. just going to I will continue as if Louie was here, um but in my head I'll just continue the conversation. <laughs> I did bring in a song. It's also a dance dance oriented song. Uh, which was not intentional that we did this, that we have this entire, you know, dance music episode of Kick the Jukebox. But I like that we've done this. 
So this song is one that I learned about uh, about a month ago. And it's related to the Giorgio track that I brought in two weeks ago because this was the first song that was played after Giorgio's uh, set when I went to go see him. And my friend Jake Ulrich, who has very good taste in music, turned to me and went, this is Stand on the Word, and this is one of the best fucking songs ever. Whoa. And it is. I th- feel it is one of the best songs ever. It, yeah. I might be paraphrasing Jake a little, but Jake was like, oh, they're playing Stand on the Word. <laughs> so this is a song by a group called the Joe Bear Singers, but we'll get into this a little bit. Um, I'm still learning a little bit about where this song comes from and why it's important, but let's listen to a little bit of it. Uh, I... I love this song. Here's Stand on the Word by Zijobert Singers. That's right. We must not question the good Lord. No. And that's how he works. That's how the good Lord works. Just listen to him. Don't question what he's saying. Just do it. Yeah. You know. Okay. All right. So want to preface this. Sometimes on the show, we bring in religious music. <laughs> it's so funny. We bring in music that's clearly written and performed by true believers. Yeah. However... Uh, you know, I don't consider myself a particularly religious person. I'm definitely I, spiritual, but not religious. I fucking hate God. <laughs> I, I know. Well, Kyle, you're you're a real nihilist. I hate God. You know, I don't know if you guys know how Kyle and I met, but <laughs> we met because I was walking by with all of my school books one day, and Kyle was smoking a cigarette, and yeah. he knocked them out of my hand. And I said, fuck God. Yeah, and I went, who's <laughs> this guy? <laughs> Who, who's that boy? Yeah, who's that boy? Yeah, so... This song is so cool. It is really, I think, one of the be-all, end-alls of a dance song. And uh, I think that the devotional element to it makes it just such a joy to listen to. And then there's this, like, killer, like, early 80s disco arrangement. Yep. And and then it comes to this uh, incredible rapturous climax Mm -hmm. that's different from the rest of the song that when it happens is so wild Mm -hmm. and i i I want everybody to go listen to this song so that they can hear it for themselves so Mm -hmm. yeah stand on the word by the joe bear singer so a few fun facts about this song sure this was a remix Mm. of a song that was recorded originally in the early 80s by, and this will not surprise you, but by a group known as, they're not a group, they're a chorus, they're a church chorus, (laughs) the chorus of First Baptist Church of Crown Heights Incorporated. Whoa, in Crown Heights, in Brooklyn? Yeah, in Brooklyn. So right, actually fairly close to here. Where I live currently. Yeah, 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 (laughs) where where you live, Kyle, and and close to, to the studios in the beautiful Cape is Studios. Home of the Piss. Home of P-I-S-S-P-P. <laughs> so, yeah. And it was then um, remixed uh, in 1985, but really was fairly obscure. And the version that we heard is the remix, is the disco remix of it. But it was fairly obscure until it, w- it seemed to be discovered by the French which is not a surprise, mm. and then leads to you know what we're going to be talking about today about Daft Punk, who sort of took I think a lot of interesting uh, sort of mid '80s dance music traditions out of Chicago and sort of mm-hmm. made them palatable for for the world. Yeah, for sure. You know, definitely Europe took a lot of dance music idiom from a lot of different places and and made it their own and that's so much what we listen to now and i think that's a lot i think that's a lot of what we'll be talking about (laughs) on this uh on this episode of kick the jukebox yeah we're just going to keep talking about what we're going to be talking about (laughs) we're never going this isn't the actual episode never (laughs) get to it but yeah and and the most popular version of this song was actually recorded by a band from france called Keeds spelled K E E D Z. That's awesome. Keeds. Um, and I listened to it in prep for this. For this, uh, and it's from about ten years ago. So in prep for this broadcast, I listened to it. And 
basically it sounds like this song as uh arranged by justice mm. <laughs> that's basically what it is right. um or by Key. justice for our american listeners sure. i mean really it's it's only um there's only french people listening to this so <laughs> uh yeah and also this song was being played in a lot of dj sets in like smaller clubs you know when it was rediscovered and uh justice actually sampled portions of this song for d-a-n-c-e oh. mm-hmm. and james murphy used to play this in his sets as well from El- per- i know which is the least, least surprising i was about thing to say yeah yeah um, i always yeah. think james murphy's gonna be british and then he's not yeah. i always wanted to be like and now it's me with LCD sound system, and it's and he's I, a dude from like Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, I I I can only imagine him with like a hipster Brook. I mean, he's just the king of the. Hipsters. Yeah, he's the king of the hipsters. Yeah. I know. I'm way off on this one. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you for your support. Anyway, that's that song. Uh, stand on the word. Love, 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 love that song, so much. And yeah. I mean feel like maybe it's time to start getting into talking about our album of the week, week. album of the bye week <laughs> of the bye week because we <laughs> broadcast every other week so album of the bi-weekly radio show we do <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad now everybody knows yeah so all right here we are we're gonna talk about daft punk's discovery this this album pew 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 Pew, pew. discovery so this is an album by by daft punk that's from uh 2001 yep and so really really uh for me it was it's formative Mm. Uh, i don't think there's anything bad on this album and and for me it's so much about linking different musical idioms together and making them work together mm-hmm. which i i just i just love yeah. uh, so much and uh they had a bunch of big 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 hits with this with yeah. this album including the final song we're going to talk about today oh yeah but yeah uh, kyle uh you know so when i suggested we do this album what were your initial thoughts were you like were you well, like how dare how no dare i was excited i think it was perfect because I knew probably the first four songs on this album yeah. very well, um, but I was not as familiar with a some of the other singles. One of which I'll be playing as my choice, and which I really love. Yes, um, and it, it was an album that I kind of slept on. I mean, I love Daft Punk. The, what I listened to of them, um, I, I think they're great, and I know they're so influential. I just it was just something I ne- it's just one of those bands I never dug deep on yeah. for no particular reason. So I was very happy to do that deep dive and I agree. I think this album is like all killer no filler. I kind of think it works front to back. Yeah, it it really does. So so a little bit of background about this album. Let's get into it a sure. little bit. So they recorded this within the uh they recorded this over 3 years. Their first album uh, was called Homework mm-hmm. and was very much about the creation of new sounds, according right. to them. Mm-hmm. And it's a really simplistic, raw, like house record. Right. And it's good. I like Homework a lot. Yeah. And Homework was a real game changer in yeah. terms of the way that Daft Punk worked and or not or in the way that the, the dance music worked at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first exposure to Daft Punk is I went on a trip to France when I was uh, six, 16 with you know with a high school whoa with my high school whoa and um uh, do you speak french no no monsieur <laughs> je ne peux pas français mon, mon français c'est um, oui mal oui that's a shout out to all our listeners in france our, yeah right now we have one live listener i know who it is it's my mom shout out to katie perlman <laughs> in Calgary, Alberta. she told me she'd be listening so um we you know we got this we we were into we were little punk kids we were listening to the Fat Records compilations at the time. That's like where we were at, me and nice. my friends who were in Paris together. <laughs> and this album came out while we were in Paris. Oh, nice. And we only saw the name and said, that's a cool name. And someone bought the album and it was so alien to us. Yeah. And we were listening to it, you know, and we started prank phone calling other rooms in the hotel <laughs> while playing... Um, 
around the world in the background <laughs> because we thought it sounded like weird European porno music. <laughs> uh, so um, I've grown and changed very slightly since then. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that album is all loops and, and you know, uh, builds. And, yeah. and this album is very much about song structure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's very much about them attempting to write pop songs right. and about how, where does pop take where does pop meet um actual uh you know um uh dance music and they do such a good it's like actually kind of a shocking second album such a departure and it's right so it's such a good realization of those goals yeah and i especially following homework where yes they were very much they were exploring new sounds but they were very much indebted to a house formula which is very um a lot of loops, very repetitive. Yeah. I don't mean that as pejorative. I like that. That's, no. you know, that's built into, you know, the song I picked today, move your bodies, you know, they play that loop over and over and over again and you manipulate it and you do certain things, but you know, it's about that repetition. It's getting people dancing, moving, you play, you pick the best part of a song and you play it over and over and over again. Yeah. Whereas there's still elements of this in discovery, but, uh, in 2001, like, uh, well, rock was still King more or less. Yeah, uh, at the and, time, and album, yeah. and album, you know, also and, a lot of R and B, yeah, and R and B, true, well. true, yeah. Yeah, 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 and hip hop was starting yeah. to be, you know, become bigger, but, um, but then also like the album was king, so this was sort of like we can make dance music for and and have it fit the album format. Yeah, this is this is a quote directly from Wikipedia, <laughs> but they said what Homework was all about, their first album, it was all about showing the rock kids that dance music could be cool, mm -hmm. and this album was all about showing the dance kids that rock music could be cool. Yeah. That right, was that's right. how they felt about this album and they they really wanted this album to be celebratory and innocent in the way that it is listened to, mm -hmm. like you are a child listening to new music, mm -hmm. which is which definitely shows uh you know in in the in the structure of it and and I mean that being said, I mean maybe we should play the first track we're going to talk about which is Digital Love. Let's do it. Which is one of my most favorite songs of all time. It's very important to me. All right, here we go. Woo. Okay, we're cutting it off right when the beat drops just to be real jerks. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I haven't actually listened to that version of the song in a while. Hmm. Uh, recently, I've been listening to uh, this extended remix of it. Oh, yeah. it's The structure of it is so good. It feels sort of like it starts as one thing and then it goes and becomes a totally different thing. Yeah, uh, it's such a cool, pretty song. It's sweet, and uh, but still bumping. Yeah, it's a really, really, really good dance track. It kind of, I was listening. It kind of reminds me of like the Buggles, like uh, oh yeah, the uh, that like sort of through a tin cone, yeah, uh, like yeah, and, and yeah, and definitely this was the beginning. It's not the beginning of them, but it's definitely them really exploring their the the robot voice aesthetic. Yeah, uh, and this yeah. song, the song was um, sung uh, by DJ Sneak, mm -hmm. who was another French DJ who they who was is an influence on them. Yeah, and he also uh, co collaborated on the lyrics and melody with them as mm. well. And that's something that they have done a lot of times in their careers is they'll get some recognizable people to work with them and then they'll vocode the shit out of their voices right, 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 which right. is really uh, i think is actually really fun it's, yeah. uh, it's something very very cool about them mm -hmm. and uh you know we should just i think we should just talk a little bit more about daft punk just for you guys because you know some people might not really know a lot about them sure but you know they're two uh all they know electronic is uh, musicians. get lucky yeah oh, which is yeah they, they're like daft punk yeah that's pharrell yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Daft Punk. Yeah, Pharrell's in that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're two electronic musicians. They are both uh, based out of Paris. They're Guy Manuel Orem Cristo 
and Thomas Benglater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, during the recording of this album, they had on September 9th, 1999, a horrible accident where their sequencer exploded. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then they had to be reconstructed <laughs> and they realized that they had become robots. robots. And they've been robots ever since. Yep. Uh, and and this goes into sort of their aesthetic where they're very theatrical. Yeah. Which is probably one of the reasons why we like them. And I think they they're they're uh, they're like one they're, they're kind of like Devo in that like yes their aesthetic all the bands I like are really yeah, just Devo. Devo yeah but I mean they they're they're, they're I, this is gonna sound awful but they're like real artists like they can't stop being artists yes uh, it's definitely especially Thomas Bangalter he's like the kind of like driving creative force and um their their aesthetic any 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 aspect of their art that they touch whether it's a music video or their live performance or you know their way they're portrayed um you know they have a lot of control and over their aesthetic and it's very very deliberate so when they became robots f starting with this album and now they're like you know more recognizable than probably like most musicians yeah um, because they're they've made themselves basically into cartoon characters yeah right i mean this is very cynical but they could conceivably just dress up up other guys in those outfits and like not do shows well uh, uh, the rapper mf doom famously did that a few times last year he's famously ha wears yeah. a mask yeah and yeah sometimes he just like didn't feel like going to his shows so he would send someone else out to do them yeah it's it's that's sort of from i feel the andy kaufman aesthetic of performance sure. where <laughs> yeah. sometimes he just would get uh you know zamuda to do tony right. clifton instead of him and no right. one knew that it wasn't andy kaufman right yeah and I, I do love that they're robots. I do love that that's so ingrained into their aesthetic. And they are uh, as forward thinking as they are looking at the past. Mm -hmm. You know, this album, they said, is very much about their childhoods. Uh -huh. And they very successfully executed it. Specifically, they've said, from the era of 1975 to 1985. Right. And they wanted this album to reflect the era not only musically but just overall aesthetically uh -huh. and like later on in digital love there's this piano breakdown in it this like light rock keyboard breakdown in it yeah uh, and i always and this has nothing to do with anything that i know about if they actually intended this i always say it's the super tramp breakdown yeah right yeah well i think also um in my research for this album they something that struck me and i think just this way of looking at music is very i think has become very popular but like um wanting to you know pull influences from what they really actually liked when they were kids mm -hmm. at a time when they were not snobs you know yeah um so like yeah you know uh Giorgio Moroder is as much of an influence as like bread or you yeah, know, like, totally. Um, or like or like Super Tramp. Super Tramp, yeah. right? Per yeah, perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Super that, Tramp. Like, Super Tramp, which sort of is people kind of sneer at them. Oh yeah, big time. You know? But they yeah. they were good songwriters. Yeah, they're yeah they're good song. But it's like, I mean that seventies corporate rock thing. It like especially during this time like yeah it was so easy you know that's everyone was sneering at that and it's kind of like when uh you know there, there always needs to be p people doing that like what you know when uh kurt cobain would say like yeah i like kiss and aerosmith yeah and that was and people he, were like what yeah like yeah. Cause that was like cheesy like at you know 1991 that's like corporate he's like no i like rock and roll like i like rock like but kurt you you're not supposed to like kiss or aerosmith but but you don't understand like shut the fuck up i can listen to whatever i want i can listen to uh shonen knife but also i like um you know uh uh uh, uh, uh thin lizzy <laughs> mm -mm -mm. kurt Shonen Knife, good. Thin Lizzy, bad. Listen. 
You listen here, Bush. Don't call me Bush. <laughs> the band Bush, Gavin Rossdale. Yeah, otherwise known as Bush X in other parts <laughs> of the world. I'm Kurt Cobain. Whatever I say is immediately cool, and no one is going to second guess me. Okay, Kurt, I acquiesce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Daft Punk. You know, but they, they weren't made fun of for this because the album was such a success for them. And, well, no, and, and, but that's, like, yeah. yeah. And I think it's like a very Brooklyn thing too, like now or like hip thing, like, which is good. Like liking. Like what you like. Like what you like. And I, also like, I was a forefather of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I really was. I was really ahead of the curve with this one. Louis, Louis invented this. But like. It's true. Now it's like really cool. It really is cool to pretty much like whatever you want. And like the most mainstream pop, or the is like totally cool to like be like really into. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I remember a friend of mine flipping through my CD collection, in uh, you know, like a right around this time, and being like, "How many of these CDs do you like for ironic value?" <laughs> and I was like, "None of them." Yeah, be quiet. I yeah. let me listen to my Aqua. Right, right. You know, um, and that's that's the thing is that good music comes from everywhere. Right, and also like. A lot of music taste, and this is something. I mean, I'm very privileged, and I'm I'm happy to acknowledge this that I'm very privileged um, that I've been able to cultivate a music taste and mm. say yes or no and choose. When yeah. a lot of people, you know, listen to what they listen to because they don't really have a lot of time to think about it. Sure, and and I think that's that's really valid. But like, I uh, personally never want to discredit where a song is coming from because right. it could really be the next thing that just like completely makes my heart sing right you know like a fucking ba- baptist choir or whoever those guys yeah, yeah. are from like crown heights right like w- somebody bringing that to me and being like you'll really like this it's a remix of a i'd be like <laughs> yeah. I, I might be like mm, i don't know i yeah. don't really like religious music right you know and i think i feel like that song has you know very uh small in a very small way totally changed my life yeah you know and this entire album you know really made me think about how i listen to music and, and why and it's proof that ha- like any song on paper, it's easy to write off. Um, like, you know, I h- hated country music growing up, but yeah. when I... Yeah, and that's such a status thing, right? Right, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to be considered white trash. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or, or like, dumb pop. Like, I just listen to dumb... Like, it's dumb pop... Yeah, it's dumb pop music. Dumb, it's dumb like, like, pop music for, like, dumb people. Yeah, for idiots. Yeah, yeah. but, like, there's there is... Like there are really talented artists, very creative, cool, individual, weird. Yeah. Like there are country freaks. Yeah. And weirdos. And um, and there's gorgeous country pop. Yeah. Big mainstream right. huge things. Yeah. Yeah. That happen. You can you can be cool doing whatever you want. Yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of about and and I think this loops back to Daft Punk. Loops. <laughs> Whoa! I think this goes back to them in that it's so much about intention of purpose mm. and so much about clarity of vision. And yeah. uh, you can really, you know, as a listener, I do f- think you can really hear the bullshit. And you can hear a really clearly well-written song that, you know, that hits you in the right places versus something that's just like, well, this is just another hit for the radio. Right. You know? For um, sure. And that being said, let's play something that was a hit for the radio for them. Sure. Let's uh, play Face to Face. Yeah, Face to Face, which is the song that you wanted to talk about, Kyle. Correct. Which is, it's, it's banging. Such a good track. Here yes. we go. Hope that you'd be someone different. Not much I know about you You will always make you blind But the answer is in clear view It's amazing what you'll find face to face Okay, how are we feeling? Uh, <laughs> the funk. Uh, I feel the funk of that song. It's yeah. a, it's a stenchy funk. Yeah. Uh, I love that song. It is so good. What made you want to choose this one? Well, I had never listened to this album all the way through. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this one just, I mean, 
this is like my favorite song on the album. It's just yeah. my favorite song. And it comes later on on, on the album. Yeah, it's second to last. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, and it's just a. Per- I think it's also a perfect encapsulation of this album. It's so funky, so danceable. Um, really cool use of samples. Like, yeah, uh, so complex, so layered. Like, really, it's like a perfect, like, pu- like putting together this puzzle. Um, really taking samples and making them into something new. Oh God, it's, yeah. It's not just let's rap over top of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not that we don't love that too, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not uh, Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> no, exactly. That's a good example. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it it, and it sounds so different. Um, but then it is also a perfect encapsulation of this, uh, Daft Punk aesthetic, and I think a reason why they became so mainstream and one of the first like electronic house bands to become so mainstream is because it's the perfect sort of mix sonically of like um sort of like sort of analog uh or maybe more like analog instrumentation analog synths that maybe americans might be more used to and more might be more palatable to americans yeah uh, through those samples but then also like some classic house uh synth like new synthy um bass like that round bouncy bass that comes in at the verses that is like new and very of its time very cutting edge yeah yeah absolutely and and something about it too is that it's preceded by several instrumental tracks or tracks that are a little more dance loop oriented sure yeah and i actually think that that intro is a really interesting bridge right. between that content in the album mm-hmm. and then veering into more of a of a of a world of a structured pop song. Right. Yeah, you know, and I, I forgot how long that intro is, and it's it's slamming. It's oh, it's so, so good. good. And then that verse when it kicks in, it's something very new for the listeners of the album yeah. in a way that I think is is really refreshing. Yeah, and it keeps you on your toes. Like just as you're getting to the end, it's like, oh no, pay attention because this is a banger. Yeah. I also, I yeah, I'd never heard this song. I didn't realize they released it as a single. So yeah, yeah, this was this was a single from this album. Yeah. And also, this is a really great sequence in the entire anime movie that was made using this album as a soundtrack. Yeah. Making this album. Album, a concept album amazing yeah it's, it's they like retroactively becoming a concept album which i think is perfect yeah or maybe just adding another layer to the concept sure it sort sure. of already is a concept record sure and so there's a movie that's you can that i love it's actually it's one of my favorite movies it's called interstellar 5555 the secrets of the oh you know what is that no 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 i know it is I yeah think, no, no 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 yeah i was just thinking back to I feel like they integrated five 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 into their robot explosion story too. Really? Maybe I got it wrong. Their robot explosion story might have been May. No, it was no, it was definitely nineteen ninety nine. Okay. So it was September 9th, nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> anyway, Interstellar five 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 five: the secrets of the super uh, or the secrets of the super secret star system. I think is what <laughs> yeah. it's called. And all the S's are fives. Yeah, all the S's are fives, and it's a it's a film with no dialogue mm-hmm. using the tracks from this album. As uh, to tell a story about a band, a rock band of called the bl- Crescendals, yeah, the Crescendals uh, of their blue-skinned aliens that are kidnapped by an evil, ominous, de- like demonic record executive, <laughs> who then transforms them into like a zombified mm-hmm. uh, band of humanoids, and then yep. they break free. Yep, and uh, and this particular song is used during like sort of a sleuthy spy sequence uh, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. works really well it's very 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 oh, is cool. this when he when the bass player goes into the yes yeah okay, yeah cool. he goes in and he like no no big spoilers yeah for this movie that's actually now almost 20 years old <laughs> yeah, yeah which yeah. is a, a nightmare for me <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah yeah he, he sneaks in and he finds like their their memory files basically right, yeah, right. So that he can re-implant their memories right yeah so cool but yeah oh, highly recommended so good and um yeah so i had only i had seen i had, was aware of this film uh and i'd seen I was aware of this film, film. <laughs> and I had seen clips of it, but only as like 
watching the music video to Aerodynamic. Sure, or, yeah, or know, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, that, which yeah. is another single from this album that then Kanye sampled. Right, and it's... I, I actually don't know, maybe I, you could... It, I don't know where that single stood in popularity in comparison to the other singles before the Kanye song came out. Stronger. I think that I think sort of in popularity one more time number 1, harder better faster stronger. So it was two. still Yeah, big. and then this was sort of trailed out at number 3. The I song think aerodynamic might have been bigger, I think. Oh, than this? Yeah yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that that song that was that I knew I definitely knew that song. Um but Yeah. Aerodynamic which is a celebration of what a guitar solo can be. Right? Just yeah. just to just to say what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Exactly. As two guys who I don't think are huge fans of guitar no, songs. No, I yeah. could give two shits. Yeah. And I think it's like so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about the final song that we yeah. chose together. And uh, how are we doing for time? Oh, we're doing good for time. Great. Yeah, we got perfect time. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this song. We're going to tell you guys why it's so great. And then we're going to end on this song. And you're yeah. going to listen to this song in its full until it is completely done. <laughs> so before we talk about this song, you know, follow us on Instagram at Kick the Jukebox. You can find us on Twitter <laughs> at, uh, at KTJB Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Kick the Jukebox. This is Kick the Jukebox. We're broadcasting on kpiss.fm, beautiful Kpiss Studios. Kpiss, here, here in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, Kpiss. But honestly, it's so fun to get to do this in a real studio. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, one more time. This song. Yep. We're talking about the song. I'm not just saying one more one time. One more time, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this song is such a uh, explosion of joy. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. It's a pop masterpiece. Yeah. This is like solidified in the 20th century pop canon. Yes. Um, growing like it, 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 when I was growing up, this was like, I mean, nothing this else sounded probably like it. played at a lot of bar mitzvahs you went to, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Welcome um, to Joshi's Bar Mitzvah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dance, Definitely. Joshi. You're a man now. Yeah. <laughs> no question. No question. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it, it's a masterpiece. And also, can we say, obviously, Shares Believe takes the crown of being the first song to use autotune. Yes. Um, but I think the next probably big pop song to like really solidify autotune is something that's like, oh, people are can use this really well and this can be a cool thing. Was yeah, this was song. this song. Yeah, absolutely. And also too, it it has a, a, a really good breakdown in it. Yeah. That's sort of a really nice surprise. Yeah. Uh, where it gets sort of quiet. And I want to say almost contemplative. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, you, know ooh, you know, we're going to hear it in just a second. But it's like, it, it, it's like the singer. And I, this is Romanthony yes. saying this, yeah, yeah, who yeah. also sang um, Face to Face. Yep. I think, I think that's correct. I'm, I may need to fact check myself after the episode is done on that one. But, and he was like a, he was a, a house influence of theirs. who was like a Chicago house guy. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to have that moment where I think he's kind of singing about playing music and what music is all about. Uh-huh. I'm just feeling celebrate, you know, yeah. can't wait too late. Yeah. And now just before we play the song, just overall, uh, Daft Punk, uh, many years later, their fourth album just called Random Access Memories, which I like a lot mm-hmm. and is similar it's very similar in concept Mm -hmm. and that it's about being a child Mm. listening to the music of your childhood and sort of reconstructing it Mm -hmm. you know and for that one they got a lot more of their influences you know Mm -hmm. they got Giorgio right on it they got Paul Williams on it yeah um who I love and then a bunch of the head of of ASCAP yes yeah Paul Williams the head (laughs) of ASCAP yes I'm well aware (laughs) of that you know and Mm -hmm. Muppet composer extraordinaire oh yeah and um it's interesting because I think that that album really loses its way. Mm. And I, I just want to talk for maybe about a minute about why does this one work so well? Whereas random access memories, there's parts of random access memories that are really strong and parts where it's right. a little like, what are you guys doing right now? You know? Yeah. I think, I think maybe, I don't know. 
you think maybe because ran, random access memories I, I've I've listened to it uh, not since it first came out yeah but maybe it was not as quite as forward thinking as this album yeah, was yeah I think that's smart and I agree like, with that and I think on that album they pretty it was it wasn't wasn't it like mostly live instrumentation and, yeah yeah uh so I think yeah and no sampling no where sampling. this album is very heavy with samples right it's heavy with samples that were actually from original recordings and heavy with loops and riffs that they replayed in the studio right. as well yeah yeah so i think in that respect this one it 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 does what every great you know kind of pop song should in that it it brought the best of what the influence of the, of the music of their childhood that they tr- could clearly truly loved, mm-hmm. but it was forward thinking. Like they were still trying to be innovative mm-hmm. and cutting edge. Whereas maybe random excess memories was a bit just hodgepodge of things they liked from the disco era. Yeah, that's fair. So let's, let's erase random access memories from <laughs> memory banks and uh, let's end it off on this just killer track. All right. I well, feel like I've described everything as a killer track today. I'm a little <laughs> tired. Because they have been killer tracks. They have been killer tracks. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming You're back not from, wrong. from fucking trash camp. So I'm a little tired. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to hear well, it one more time. Uh, and should we should we sign off? Are we going to say, is this, are we going to yeah, leave them on this? This is it. Yeah, All right. Kyle, Kyle well, this has been so fun. It has been a joy. I know. You're, you're my fave. All yeah. right, here we go. One more time on KPIS FM. Home of the piss. It's so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kicking a rhyme. Talking about music all the time.